Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics in sports podcast. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corwin Hiller. And uh, welcome back to the stats edition of today's show. We're going to do uh, a lot of baseball stuff, talk about some um, proposed changes that the NFL has laid out just this evening, Wednesday, February 19th, and uh, shoot the shit. Talk about Those stuff. Are the best kind of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Zips, for anyone unaware, uh, is the, I don't know what it actually stands for, <laughs> which I probably should, um, but it's it's a projection tool that uh, most baseball sites use to look forward to what uh, players' upcoming seasons might look like using uh, past data, both advanced and standard, to see just kind of where uh, where the numbers think that players will lie. So the 2020 Zips projections for players and teams is out. And we thought we'd start off by just like seeing where players are predict, predict, predicted to be. Projected yeah. to be. Those are the two words I could not say. <laughs> uh, where do you want to start? Well, I think the obvious thing, as we said previously, is that no leaderboard in the MLB is correct unless Mike Trout leads it, and Mike Trout leads this leaderboard. But they projected 7.9 war, which, yeah. for anyone unaware, for the uninitiated, Zips is very conservative. And for someone to have a projected 7.9 war is ridiculous. And yet, yeah, here we are. Trout, yeah, Mike fucking Trout, man. He's pretty decent at baseball. I'll give him that. So his um his projected slash line I, I, is. I just want to say, last episode, I promised I would stop making that fucking joke, and I just <laughs> made it again, like thirty seconds into this. It's it's okay. It's 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 all going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> his projected slash line is two ninety four, four thirty eight, six seventeen for a one thousand fifty five OPS, and that's just disgusting. Not going to say any good jokes there. Just going to bite my tongue. All right. Um, the, the 139 hits for Mike Trout. Over or under? Over. Yeah, I take the over on that every fucking day. Uh, if I'm being honest, I will take the over on every single one of his stats, except for strikeouts, which I'll take the under on. I'll also take the under on triples, just because that's so random. Not that I, I don't think three is an attainable number. Just tri triples are just so random. That's fair. Yeah. No, oh, God, now I got to see what his... Actually, he has like a decent number of triples. He has 46 career triples. Really? In what, yeah. eight years? Uh, Nine. I guess technically... Nah, eight, really, though. Like, it's nine, but it's eight. Yeah, oh, man. he He's actually come down on the amount of triples he's hit in his career pretty significantly. Yeah, yeah. Well, didn't he also? I have to look before I say it. Yeah, I was gonna say he also used to steal more bases than he does now. Mm -hmm. His rookie year, he stole forty nine, and that feels insane. Which is compared insane. to the last year, he stole eleven. Uh, yeah. His hits has also been going down. I guess he's walking more. Uh, not really that much more, because his hits, his rookie year, he had one hundred eighty two hits, followed by his sophomore year, had one hundred ninety. And last year he had 137. Um, he hasn't had more than 150 since 2016. Not that like hits is like an important metric to be high in, but like that still feels weird. Right. What matters is his war is still stupid high, and his OPS keeps going up. Yeah, yeah. No, the the problem is he's just good at everything, and right. um, yeah. 
Uh, like it's uh, it's hard to sit here and you know really just pick at what Mike Trout isn't good at. Like oh no, oh, he it, only got eleven stolen bases. Oh, he only hit forty five home runs. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Like like picking picking at Mike Trout is like it's like making those stupid nitpicky corrections on like a, a like an A paper just because the teacher thought that like no no paper is perfect and I fucking uh, suck dick. He only has three MVPs in eight years. Duh. What a scrub. Not even any back to backs in there. Fucking right. uh, gross. Uh, all right. So hold on. Let me let, let's just go down this list a little bit because Alex Bregman is projected to be the second best player in baseball next year by a lot. Uh, so Mike Trout, 7.9, leads the pack. Alex Bregman is a full 0.8 war below that at 7.1 projected war for the year. And this is such an interesting case because if the Astros have been cheating, like literally Bregman's entire career, which is basically what the allegation is, 2016 through 2019 covers all of Alex Bregman's playing career. How accurate can these numbers get? Like yeah, I would, I would argue, I would take the under on War just because I think the Astros as a whole are going to have a surprisingly low season for what you know normally we would expect them to have. Not necessarily because they're you know not cheating anymore, or you know they're not benefiting from knowing those calls so significantly. It's hard to predict that. I, I'm not going to just attribute it to that, but with so much going on and so much pressure they're under now because of all this scrutiny and just well-deserved hate they've been receiving, I'd put my money on them just naturally underperforming. Yeah, no, you're right. Like having, having the stress where every city you go in hates your fucking guts is going to be a lot like that. That's tough to deal with. Um, not to mention the fact that you're going to be under the heavy, heavy scrutiny. where like, Every good performance you have is going to raise questions and every bad performance you have is going to raise cheers because everyone fucking hates you and no one can trust you anymore. I saw an interesting uh, betting over under that I want to ask your opinion on. Uh, Number of players hit or number of times a batter is hit for the Astros this this season over under 83.5. I did see this and I saw a lot of interesting points. Um, the over is likely, but only because apparently 83 and a half hit by pitches isn't uncommon. Like apparently I think last year the Mets had like 93, like a weirdly high number. So um, I guess the argument there is, do you think it's going to be a high number because everybody wants to just beam the shit out of the Astros or it's going to be low because the umps aren't going to let that shit fly all season long. So that's the grand question. And especially with the MLB taking this weird position of like all of a the sudden they want to. Did you see this whole thing where they want to um, uh, have the umps work together to decide on intent for hit by pitches? Oh, that's stupid. You didn't see this? No. So hit by pitches, the uh, um, home plate ump, I think, or either the home plate ump or the or the uh, the 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 chief crew, crew chief, Jesus, is is allowed now to. Uh, quorum all the umps on the field together to decide if the hit by pitch was intentional or not so that they can decide whether they're going to throw the pitcher out the game or not and it came Uh, out of nowhere and it feels a hundred percent as a result 
of everyone hating the fucking Astros and talking about how they're going to get dinged a lot. Yeah, I really like if it wasn't on the back of this, I'd say, okay, I kind of like it because it's, you know, more chance for them to get the call right. It shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't happen enough to where the game's going to slow down significantly. But because it's coming on the back of this just increased outrage with the Astros, I I think this is a, a real shitty hedging maneuver by Manfred and the rest yeah, of the Yeah, it's the timing of it that, that's really mm-hmm. gross. Um, what I would be more interested in seeing is the over-under on um, interference calls this season on the uh, against on teams playing the Astros. Because I'd be far more curious, especially if they're going to be really tight about intent for hit by pitches, to see if we see more uh, dirty slides. Ooh, yeah, I 100% believe that, especially second base. Oh no, Correa, Altuve, right there. Possibly Bregman moving over uh, in some situations. I could totally see it being a jump up in a uh, number of dirty slides. Yeah, that that's definitely where I would where I would be most curious because apparently because I thought the same thing. Eighty three and a half feels like a high number un, until I saw other people talking about it. But it there's also just so much noise in hit by pitches, especially in today's game with like uh, the high amount of movement. Where it's like, all right, was that just like a bad slider, or did you try to do that? So it it can be tough. Mm-hmm. But I'll ask you this, over under the nine hit-by-pitches Alex Bregman is projected to get. Uh, Over. Yeah, I will also take the over on that mouthy goddamn son of a bitch. Which I hurts mean, me to say, because he is a fellow Jew, and you know how I love those dudes in baseball, and he yeah, makes you've, it you've so fucking some, hard. You've stood by him quite a bit in the past, but, uh, you know, 600 plate appearances, actually 672 projected by Zips this year. Uh pretty damn good chance nine of them are going to be good old beanballs yeah yeah if, if you told me he got one hit by a pitch every 600 or six, 67 plate appearances uh which would be 10 hit by pitches in a season for this projection i would go of course and that would be more so yeah <laughs> man yeah, i'd put them i'd put them uh, like significantly higher than that uh, is there anyone in the top five for projected war that surprises you? The whole top five is Mike Trout, Alex Bregman, and then a big old drop off going down to Mookie Betts at six point one. Which, not saying that that, like, just double back to the little Zips is conservative thing. A six point one projection is phenomenal. Right. That's just how good they're projecting Mike Trout and Alex Bregman to be. Uh, anyway, Mookie Betts and then Francisco Lindor followed by Juan Soto. You know, I'm honestly surprised Juan Soto made the top five, especially being ahead of like a big group of three, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, and Christian Yelich right behind him. Um, I love seeing it because I've been vocal about my just fucking love for Juan Soto. Um, but yeah, it's him being number five. It's It's cool to see, but definitely surprising. Yeah, it's tough because all the players around here could all be put higher, and I wouldn't argue much. Like, even like, you know, Nolan, not even, but like Nolan Arenado is, I think, outside the top 10 here. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. is like right next to Nolan Arenado. Anthony Rendon could be, could argue, would be, could be higher. 
Um, I'm not going to be too much of a homer and say Glaber or Aaron, but like you, Aaron Judge, but you you can make arguments. Uh, same with Cattell Marte because he has really good defense and it had like a good hitting season. Uh, so it especially because it's projections like. Dude, you could tell me any of the dudes on this page are going to have like a 300, 450, 550 season for for like a, a really good OPS plus and had a great year with the glove and all that shit and posted a seven and a half war. And I'd be like, oh, OK, because these are all really good baseball players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of like the big thing, just like moving on to like other projected numbers here. The home run numbers seem just real just weird to me. Those. Yeah. Um, so Pete Alonso and Giancarlo Stan are tied in home runs projected with 43, followed by Glaber Torres and then Mike Trout and Cody Bellinger each with 40. Glaber projected to get 41. And that's fucking weird. Yeah, it's weird seeing Glaber up there. It's weird seeing Pete Alonso at number one, even though he literally just led MLB in home runs, just because that's not terribly expected, you know? Um, no, especially not in this in a in a sophomore year. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of weird. I mean, some other like it's it's weird that the leader is projected at forty three. Eh, no, it's not because they're conservative, and it's usually never as high as it was last year. I'm I just I want to hope that someone is projecting like Mike Trout for 50 home runs. Like I just I'm always significantly more liberal with my projections and I want to talk about those like, you know, nobody wants to talk about oh conservative projections. They want to talk about holy no, shit. Well, crazy Trout's going to hit 55 home runs. That's crazy. Do you know who Jorge Mateo is? No, I do not. Neither do I, but they're projecting him to get 11 triples. That's he plays for the Athletics? An incredibly specific number. They're projecting him to get 118 hits, 23 doubles, 11 triples, and 11 home runs. Wow. Okay. Yeah? I don't know who he is, but I want to know who he is now. I want to I wanna look him up. Uh, who are you, Jorge George Mateo. Mateo. He was with the Yankees, and then we traded him to the A's, and we—I made that decision. That was my—that was my choice. Uh, uh, I don't think he's ever been in the majors. No, it doesn't look like it. He so was he's in AAA in last majors, year, and they're still projecting him to get eleven triples. That's hilarious. He's got to be fast. He—how uh, many triples did he have? He had nineteen in AAA last year. Triple A, ha! Right, like nineteen's a lot, but. It's hard to say when it's triple A. He had Jesus, he had three in all of twenty eighteen. Oh okay. Sure. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh what do you think about their projected stolen base champ of being Malik Smith of the Mariners? With uh, forty eight. you know, it's one of those things where yeah, I believe that. It's not that surprising. Um, it's one of those things like Malik Smith isn't a great baseball player, but the Mariners are also bad and don't care. So like they might just like, f- that's what they did last year. They just like, we're just like, yeah, man, go for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. What player would you most like to see lead this list? In for stolen bases. Stolen bases? Yeah. Mike Trout, but that won't happen. Oh, um, okay. 
I was thinking something funny like Williams Astadio or oh, like something I mean, weird like Nelson like Cruz. Spectrum, ooh, Bartolo Colon to come out of retirement and be a pinch runner. I don't think he's technically retired, which is the most hilarious part of this all. Really? Yeah, I don't think he ever act. No, I think. Well, right now, I think he's playing in the Mexican League. Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Just just to to re up on the whole um, Zips is conservative thing. Uh, Luis Arias of the Twins is projected to lead baseball in batting average next season. What do you think that number is? Uh, so I shouldn't short sort by batting average. Probably like three fifteen. See that that's high. It's three oh nine. Oh. Yeah, right, and let's not, look at it. Again, that's, not that batting average yeah. is like a number that we should like go by for a player's talent because Luis Arias is also projected at two point eight war, which is like fine. But three oh nine that would also be a pretty lame batting champ. Like that number is usually someone in the league is has a much higher number than every year. Yeah. What like, was Tim Anderson's this past year? Like three forty? Crazy high, yeah. Um, yeah, this is a this is a conservative uh, projection system, but it's pretty cool. This is yeah. Uh, what else? What what can we look at us? Well, I, 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 I watch because a, that's usually pretty sword. boring. Juan Soto, right there, love to see it. What about weighted on base? Who's got the best weighted on base? Oh, Mike Trout, of course, it's Mike Trout. All right, base running. I wonder who's got the who's going to have the most base running war. Uh. Or I don't know what base base running. Well, I don't know what this number actually translates to. But five point four is the most for Trey Turner, followed by Adalberto Mondesi. This is a weird list. Followed by Malik Smith. Followed by Billy Hamilton. Followed by Christian Yelich. What a weird list. Uh, I looked at the fielding, and I am so happy to see Matt Chapman finally leading that list ahead of Charlton oh, Simmons. Oh right, well, Chapman. this is a weird list. Matt Chapman, of course. And Dalton mm-hmm. Simmons, of course. Mm-hmm. Mike Talkman? Um Sure, dude. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, Yankees fan. I have I watched a, a lot of his games last season. He looks to be very good with the glove. I am just shocked he would get so much fielding yeah. achievement. Uh Honestly, I, no, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, because I, I was working my way down the list. Yes, Monte Grandal, Kevin Kiermeyer, like the like the, that top five makes so much sense outside of Mike Talkman. It's just right. so weird. Like even Roberto Perez right there, who had such a great catching season last year. Aaron Judge, I'm surprised to see right there at number seven. He's a really good fielder. Very, yeah, very good. You know, not what I'm surprised to think about when you think of Aaron Judge. What I'm a name I'm surprised to not be seeing in this top ten is Mookie Betts because he's a phenomenal outfielder. But fucking nowhere to be. Dude, Mike Talkman is projected to be a better fielder next season than Mookie Betts, and if that happens, I will eat a Red Sox. Pick one of them. I I will eat Michael Chavis. You will. You will. You will eat Michael Chavis. Yeah, I'll I'll eat. I'll, I'll eat a Red Sox. Just. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Gobble gobble. You think Addison Russell's actually gonna play baseball next season, let alone 120 games of it? Uh I do not know. And yet here he is, projected to be a great fielder next season. I like how he's still listed as a free agent. 
they're yeah. not even projecting a team. No, no. But, I don't know and, why they and, would, but and yeah, here we are. Yeah. Addison Russell predicted to play baseball next season, which in of itself is a bold prediction. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're really just projecting if he does play baseball, what's he going to do? Which I can understand, but at the same time, I'd much rather see than over under on his jail sentence. Not that I think he's going to jail, but anyway. Um, any, any, uh, any, uh, any of these other things you want to take a look? No, at? that's what I was going to say. Fuck you for taking it. Uh, shall uh, we? Shall we move on to the uh, the stadium stuff uh, we had we had queued up? Yeah, let's do that. <clears throat> so we've done a, a number of things on stadium size, metropolitan area of places that have teams, all these types of things. Uh, today we're going to be taking a little bit of a different look at it. So what we did was just for baseball, this can be done with other sports and we can certainly do this again in the future for say the NFL. Um, but we took stadium capacity and that team's metropolitan area population. And I wanted to see what percent uh, stadium capacity is of the metro population. So, for instance, a number that you'll be super happy with, uh, the Atlanta Braves Stadium is forty holds 41,149 people. The Atlanta metro area homes 5,949,951 people. For a capacity to population size ratio or percent, I put as a percent, of 0. 0.69. So that means the stadium holds 0.69 of the population of the metro area? Yes. Cool. So, given all that, I wanted to see if we were to pick a place that doesn't have a team and put a team in that place, based on the average of all 30 teams' capacity to population ratio, how big would that stadium be? So, Corwin... Uh, just as an example, I picked Portland because that is an oft-discussed area, and Portland has a metro area of 2,478,810 people, and if you use the average of this capacity-to-population metric, which is 1.03%, just for reference, that means that Portland's metro, Portland's stadium, should they get an MLB stadium, would be 20, 25,531 uh, 0.75 seats. And that is not a lot. No, that's a very small stadium. That would be smaller than the smallest ballpark, which, which I believe is Tampa Bay Rays at 31,042. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I don't think that stadium would ever even be approved if it fit that few people. Yeah, yeah, it'd be now that's one of the so this is one of the things I was thinking about as I was doing this because it makes the fact that they have a basketball team make more sense. Because a basketball stadium doesn't fit a lot of people. You know? Um, yeah, not typically. Like the garden is a really big basketball stadium. And it still only holds like 
16, 18,000? Like, what it's not the, a ton. I wonder what the Staples Center holds. I believe about the same, but uh, feel free to double check me on that. I will, bitch. And 20,000. So 20, okay. So yeah. that, that, that's actually rather big for an NBA stadium. And it is Los Angeles, so that's expected. Of course. So the fact that Portland has an NBA team, again, makes sense because those stadiums are not generally very large. Um, mm -hmm. And it also makes sense to why they will never get a football team because they definitely don't have the 80,000 person capacity that a football stadium would look for. Mm -hmm. Do you think they could squeeze? So obviously they could also get a hockey team because the stadium capacity for hockey teams and ba basketball teams is like basically the same because half the like more than half of all base uh, basketball stadiums in the um in America are like also used for hockey. So, do you think that they could squeak by with this? Um I don't think so. I just don't think that the profit margin of building a modern, you know, technically advanced and you know just visually appealing stadium that only fits 25,000 people would make back enough money for them to argue okay that's that's enough so let's have some fun with numbers here money. so the team with the highest capacity to population ratio is the Milwaukee Brewers they have a stadium capacity of 41,900 and a metro population of 1.5 million people, which is just not a lot. Mm -hmm. So their capacity to population percent is 2.66. And if I use that number for Portland, their stadium size jumps to just under 66,000 people seats, Yikes. which is huge. That would instantly be the largest MLB stadium by 10,000 seats that's a lot of people that's crazy yeah I, I i don't see that being feasible either that's just you know that's too big of a stadium for baseball Thirty-one thousand five hundred stadium capacity would fit it right second fewest people um second fewest stadium capacity in the mlb right behind tampa bay still the smallest uh do you think that would be enough um no, not not if they're building a brand new stadium. I still don't think that would be enough profit margin for them to argue building what would end up being, you know, a many hundred million, like a multi hundred million dollar stadium. It's such an interesting question. So, like, let's I have the list of uh, which we've used so many times in this show, the Wikipedia list of uh, metropolitan statistical areas in the United States. So unfortunately, this does not count. Uh, Canada, so fuck you, Vancouver. Um, the first city here that does not have a baseball team already is um, the Riverside San Bernardino area in California. Do we care enough to plug it in? Not really. All right, then after that, um, fucking Charlotte? Sure. You want to hear about I, Charlotte? Yeah, I like uh, Charlotte as a city. Uh, for an MLB team, yeah, yeah. So Charlotte has uh, 
it's going to be close. Charlotte only has a few hundred uh, more people or a few thousand more people than than Portland does, believe it or not. Uh, Charlotte with 256, sorry, 2,256,000. Oh, my God, I hate myself. 2,569,213 people. And uh, if you take that and fuck my ass... <laughs> Ooh, interesting math there. If you take that and uh, multiply it by our um, baseball constant here, uh, 1.03%, their stating capacity is not a lot. <laughs> um, I definitely just math wrong. Oh, I did math wrong. Bad math, Josh. Uh, 26,463 seats. Yeah, that's not ideal. That's um, very far it's, from ideal. Yeah, certainly not ideal. But at the same time, so let's let, let, uh, let's tweak it a little bit because you have some areas. So like New York and Los Angeles and Chicago are all at the bottom of the list in terms of percent because New York, LA, and Chicago are huge. And to make their stadiums fit their capacity, so to, f- to fit their population would be ridiculous. For instance, New York has a metro population of 19,979,447. And if we took that and plugged it into the same equation we're trying to use right now for Portland and Charlotte and multiplied it by that, the, you know what their stadium capacity would be? I do not. Give me a guess. Uh, 40? Two hundred and five, seven hundred eighty-eight thousand people. Okay, so I went a different way there, uh, yeah. and I was wrong. Yeah, two hundred five thousand seven hundred eighty-eight people would fit into a stadium using the same constant that I'm using for Portland and Charlotte. So it seems a tad unfair <laughs> to use that average. Yeah, so okay. instead, let's average out the bottom like fifteen teams in terms of this ratio. And see what we get there, and see what that number would look like, because uh, I don't think <laughs> I don't think it'd be totally fair. All right, so if we use instead um, this new average I'm getting using the 15 highest teams in uh, percent of population, the new Portland Stadium would be 36,686 people, and the new Charlotte Stadium would be 38,024 people. How do you feel about those numbers? Uh, more acceptable, I'd argue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. spectacular. So that's kind of what one of the other things I'm starting, I was starting to realize as I was going through this uh, is like Milwaukee. If there wasn't a history of baseball there, do you think there would ever be a stadium built there? Like, if Milwaukee wasn't a sports town previous to, like, when it existed. Uh, let, me, let me rephrase. Wisconsin. Like there was an expansion. Wisconsin loves sports, right? They have a really good college football team there with the Badgers. They've got a really, really deep NFL history there with the Packers. Mm-hmm. They've got a good baseball history with the Milwaukee Braves. And then the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, they have... 
Uh, do they have an MLB? No, they don't have a, They don't have an NHL team. Uh, they also have an, an NBA team. Uh, like Minnesota they, uh, Wild. No, but the Minnesota Wild are in Minnesota, and Milwaukee oh, is, is, is a different state. I'm yeah. Yeah, I know because I did that in a different episode, and yeah. I still hate myself for it. Yeah, um, God, yeah, it's one of those things. But yeah, it's because they're so close, Milwaukee, Minnesota, in like the way they sound. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like, do you think that if they if if there was never a, a a pro sports team in Milwaukee, that going into like tomorrow, MLB would even consider it as a spot? No, I don't really think they ever would. Like even even now, if there wasn't a baseball team there, but they had other sports franchises, I couldn't see that being, you know, in the top five, top eight for consideration for an expansion team. Yeah, because it's it's so small. It's so fucking small. And so when I'm looking at these ratios, like the fact that Charlotte is the largest non-California city that doesn't have a baseball team, but its metro population is only two point five, two point six million people. Like the ratio of stadium size to um, population size is going to be super out of whack. Mm-hmm. But that led me to a different line of thinking. Um, let me know what you think of this. How do we feel? All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sort my list. Uh, by stadium capacity, largest to smallest. Okay. So the teams that lead this list, the Dodgers, 56,000, mm-hmm. makes sense. It's Los Angeles. Then the Yankees, 54,000, makes sense. It's NY. Toronto. So Toronto is an interesting ca- uh, case because it's, so it's got 53,500. And it is in a major, major metropolitan city. I think if we, I think when we done this previously, we said that if they existed in the U.S., they'd be the fourth largest U.S. city. Uh, like they're really fucking big. But it's also a city that represents an entire country because it's the only city in Canada with a baseball team. Right. Which brings me to my next point: Colorado is fourth on this list with just under fifty thousand people. Not even that Denver, which has a metro area by far the smallest in the top five of 2.9 million, but because it's not the Denver rock uh, Rockies. And even if it was, it's the Colorado Rockies. And the reason I think that there might be a distinction here is because is about representation, because I think when we get to some of these more West and Midwest States, the mm-hmm. teams represent a huge geographical area that can draw a pull the way that like the Phillies can't when the Mets can't and the Nationals can't and I'm not just naming NLE's teams and the Yankees can't because if you go too far outside of Philly, you're now like basically in New York for to cover those fan bases or you're basically in Baltimore to cover those fan bases, right? Like you can't pull from that demographic but if you went the same distance from philly to baltimore from denver to literally anywhere you're probably still hitting rockies fans because there's nothing out there right yeah that would make sense so could that way geographically speaking into a conversation about where to put a stadium where it's no longer about necessarily about i should say 
metro area, but more about, okay, how close is the next nearest team? Um, because it, yeah, just to go down my list a little bit, Arizona has the fifth largest stadium in uh, baseball, 48,633, which follows perfectly in suit with the Colorado example. It's named after the state, not the city. Uh, the city's metro area is large, but not like crazy large. Uh, Texas after that, uh, uh, eh, kind of half and half on, on, on this one in terms of going with what I was just saying. It represents a huge portion of Texas, basically everything that's not Houston and the immediately surrounding areas, but there is another baseball team in the state, but the state's also fucking huge. Um, Seattle is definitely like that for basically the entire Northwest because that's the only team up there, and it's weird. Uh, and then it gets more cityish after that with uh, Oakland, St. Louis, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, San Diego, Chicago, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I think I think it makes the I think it could add a layer to conversation. Yeah. I mean, I don't know necessarily if like a, a New Jersey team would work because definitely wouldn't. You know, they have a good chunk of population and, you know, enough density there where, you know, it's accessible to everyone in the state. But being within that tri-state area, within so many other teams, it wouldn't work. Um, uh, like, a, I guess, a Nevada team. But even then, Nevada is, what, two big cities? So there's really no need to have a statewide team. Yeah, um, Las Vegas is only, what, like a three, four-hour drive from Los Angeles? Yeah, it's real close. And Reno is about the same from San Francisco? Mm-hmm. So you're not really doing yourself any favors there. But I would still just absolutely expect to see a Las Vegas team if there was another expansion, you know, in the near future. Yeah, I would too. Actually, weirdly enough, that the Las Vegas uh, population increase has been present. Their population increase from the 2018 estimate to the 2010 census was 14%, which is yeah, it's pretty big. For reference, Cincinnati went up only three and a half percent, and Pittsburgh went down one point three four percent. So fourteen percent is pretty large. It's not the biggest I'm seeing. San Antonio increased seventeen percent. Orlando increased twenty point five percent. But fourteen point three percent is certainly noticeable, especially when you're trying to atta- attract uh, professional sports leagues. Yeah, I feel like of all the cities under consideration that kind of matters the least for a city like Las Vegas, where such a vast majority of people who would be coming are tourists or just visitors. Um, So that's what I was going to ask you next is like, just to keep asking about this. mm -hmm. So if you're going to go to Seattle, you don't need to be going to Seattle for a baseball game. Like you can just go because Seattle's like a cool town. It's got a bunch of tourist spots and, it's like a famous place. Same thing with Las Vegas. Like if you're going to go to Las Vegas, like you don't need to be going for a Golden Knights game. It's something you can do while you're there, while you're doing a bunch of other things. But like uh, Indianapolis does not have a baseball team. Uh, and they are. Uh, they have other sports teams. But. Like, would like you're, if you're going to go to Indianapolis for a baseball game, are you really doing anything else while you're there? 
or he just kind of ended in Indianapolis. And I'm not trying to shit talk Indianapolis because I'm sure it's a lovely place because it's got a deep history with sports and that's enough for me. But right. I, if you ask me what's a tourist attraction in, in Indianapolis, I have no fucking idea. Not even the chintzy weird one, like visiting the Statue of Liberty in New York or like going to the fish market in Seattle, you know, or like yeah. going and checking out the music scene in Austin. Like, I, I don't know what that what that is in Indianapolis. And I as much as I fucking love baseball, I don't think it could survive if it's the if it's the only thing you could see yourself making an occasion for for a city trip. I'll tell you what, I have family in Indianapolis. I've been to Indianapolis many times. The zoo is really the only thing there I can name off the top of my head. That's wild. Yeah, that's not that's not great for uh tourism in uh in a city when it's there's not much there, you know. Indiana, I love Indiana. It's kind of boring. Yeah. So I, I I guess it's interesting because we've all we we've often talked about where teams should go, and I'm very sure we've mentioned Indianapolis. It does mm-hmm. Indianapolis does have a baseball history. It has a Negro. It has a Negro League team or had a Negro League team, the Indianapolis Clowns. But it's not deep rooted, as you can tell by the fact that they don't have a, an MLB team. Uh, and we often i'm sure we've mentioned them as like a potential expansion team at some point in the many times we talk about expansion teams but i think this conversation about what would stadium size look like is an overlooked part of this conversation because for one i think baseball stadiums are trending down in size which is probably reasonable like the fact that the pirates used to play at three river stadium is fucking nuts yeah that park is was huge. I mean, it's a football stadium. Literally, yeah. Uh, same thing with the Oakland A's. Like mm-hmm. they're moving. Not that I'm sorry, they're not moving. But like they 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 shared. The Raiders are moving. Uh, they shared a stadium with the, with a football team. That's one of the reasons their their fucking baseball stadium was so massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're telling me baseball stadiums are going to get smaller, I don't think. I would disagree. I think that would make sense. Uh, what's what's like one of the more recently built stadiums in baseball or football? Uh, baseball. Um, I know Baltimore was built in the nineties. I mean, the Yankees and Mets stadiums are relatively new. Yeah, but they're New York. Like it's so tough because yeah. you know they're going to be big stadiums. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's hard to. Say. I don't know of any right off the top of my head. Detroit and Chicago, the White Sox stadiums, I think, are relatively new, and they're both sitting at forty and forty-one. Yeah, it's been nothing terribly recent. Uh, when was a Progressive Field built for the Cleveland Indians? That was very. That was pretty damn recent too. That was probably. God, I I can't think off the top of my head, but a handful of years ago. Yeah, I was gonna say that one seems progressive stadium uh question mark. Progressive field. No, progressive field's definitely what it's called. Uh it was const- it was opened in ninety four? Really? I don't believe you. That was Jacobs Field. Yeah. I guess that's just a different name. Yeah, they probably changed naming rights because it's been open that that long. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was James uh, from '94 to '07. Recent renovations or the name change, something there. But yeah, even even '94 for MLB stadiums is is new. And that now that stadium is thirty five thousand people. Like that's not huge. So like, no, not at all. Because I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, so if you have if you have a thirty five thousand person stadium, your stadium if you have an MLB team and an NHL team, that means that your your baseball stadium, baseball field, whatever, is like triple the size likely of your NHL stadium, and that feels like it's probably about right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a 35, two and a half times, really not three, but like that's because it's, you're not, you're not getting a football size crowd. Like that's just not happening. No. Um, but even like, I don't know. Some of these, these higher ones, like the Mets 42,000 makes some sense because they're in New York, but like that shit never sells out. You know, I've been to Toronto's ballpark. That shit doesn't sell out unless they're good. Yeah, but even then, that's not like what did they sell out when they called up uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and that was a big deal. Uh, I saw him play at that ballpark, and let me tell you, my friend, I saw him play it in that ballpark against the Yankees, and that shit was empty. Oof, empty. Like, man, I, you, and I have seen the Orioles play the Yankees in Camden Yards. Mm-hmm. In a not very packed stadium. And when I tell you that shit was double how busy it was in Toronto, dude, no one in this goddamn ballpark. Yeah. I mean, we like you said, we've been to some empty stadiums. I even from what I've seen, Yankee Stadium's the only place I've ever been to that's consistently full. You know, I've never been to like Camden Yards. I've been there when it's been quite packed but that's very few and far between yeah the only time i've been to yankee stadium when it wasn't like busy was i went to a game that happened on a i went to a rain out where the game ended up for the sixth inning not a busy day and i think i went to a game that was rescheduled from a rain out and that was not a busy day either Yikes. so like that that's that's it other than that, it's been like bit it's always fucking busy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it it's an interesting thing to 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 consider because like again, like if you if you put a stadium in Charlotte, right? Charlotte is a populous area, but like barely bigger than Portland, which you've already said is like kind of on the low end in terms of using this ratio. But Charlotte would represent so much of the south because the south is a weirdly underrepresented portion of baseball mm-hmm. right like there's no team the next team farther south is is the team in, in georgia three states away atlanta uh there's not like there's no tennessee team so the next team you hit if you go northeast there should be would be st louis uh like it there's the next team you hit going north is the the nationals like there's there's like nothing there so even though you would, if you use this like very, very basic little constant that we're using, you would say, oh, well, it's stadium capacity would be pretty small. Maybe it's not a great choice. At the same time, they'd be representing such a large geographic area that is just without 
a baseball team. Like if you put it in Charlotte, mm-hmm. then if you live in uh I don't know, the northeastern part of Tennessee that that's like bordering Virginia, that baseball stadium's gotta be at least like two, maybe even three hours closer to you than than the Braves stadium is. Right. And you don't have to deal with Atlanta traffic. <laughs> it's a big plus right there. It is. And like as weird as it sounds to us who are from New Jersey, people are like very willing to drive like four hours casually. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much within four hours of us. <laughs> yeah. If you drive dude, I, I could drive four hours right now and be in Massachusetts, be in, in Boston in right. four hours. Driving th- past several metropolitan areas. Including New York fucking city. So Yeah. Might take you four hours to get to New York on some days. I uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. What the what the one day we went to uh Yankee Stadium, it probably took us four hours. Oh that uh, we got into the city pretty quick. We did not get to Yankee Stadium pretty quick. We severely underestimated the way, which is a mistake on our part. Just a tad. God, the subway, she is a fickle beast. <laughs> I was um I was coming home from the city one day. Uh I was in to see a friend do a performance and our subway line got stopped because somebody had killed themselves on the subway. Oh. And I had the 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 wild New York first thought of fuck that's so inconvenient. <laughs> I mean I hate to also be that guy but yeah, that would be a bummer for like someone committing suicide on the subway would probably be the second most annoying thing or the second most impactful Tragic. thing about that situation. Yeah, like it sucked. We had to take an Uber XL like down 20 blocks in Manhattan. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> bad people. Like I know it sounds bad and like but like they you know don't get me wrong the entire time we're going down Oh my god! Like, this is so fucking terrible. I feel so bad for this person. Apparently, like they did survive, so like you know, good for you. Uh, but, but at the same time, it's like, fuck! Like surge pricing. It's a Friday. It's four of us. Ugh, like, <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> anyway, okay, we that's my story. People and also understand the circumstances. Yeah, you gotta have a a a broader set of context there. Uh, so I don't really have anything else to say on this. Anything else you want to say about it before we pivot over to the NFL? Um, nothing that we haven't talked about now or in the previous episodes talking about MLB expansion. Do you think we'll ever have a reason to talk about expansion again until it actually happens? I'm <laughs> sure we'll make up a reason. Any stone left unturned? Uh, I'm sure we'll find it. I hope so. Uh, all right. So just to, to wrap things up now that we've covered our stats portion and we are legally uh, uh, no longer have to talk about stats, <laughs> we, we've covered our asses. Uh, the NFL is proposing in conjunction with an agreed upon CBA to expand the playoffs in terms of the teams allowed to enter it, going from six teams per league to seven. And in conjunction with this, they would also increase the NFL regular season from 16 games to 17 games and shorten the preseason from four games to three games. So what make you of this? Eh? I just don't know why they're even trying to make these changes. 
Um, I mean, I get why they're doing it because it makes them more money. Um, but I mean, the NFL had far and away the best playoff structure of any any major franchise or any major league in the U.S. I don't know why they're trying to fuck with the formula of it. Um, adding just a whole another layer to this that's just more complexity. Adding another team that's just diluting the talent pool in the playoffs. Um, I mean, we saw it this year with there were some shitty teams in the playoffs this year. There was no nice way to say that. Um, I really don't think we need more mediocre teams, you know, with the opportunity and the ability to go in and play in the playoffs. Um, 17 games per season. Sure. Like, I don't mind that at all, especially if it comes with an added bye week. Um, it's one less, you know, preseason game. Fantastic. Um, it sucks for fringe bubble players on the rosters, but as for the actual NFL product and player safety, I'm all for it. It's just overall, I'm fine with everything but the change in playoff structure. This is a weird thing. I'm going to try to tackle it from a few different perspectives. So first off, just aesthetically speaking, I hate the idea of three wildcard teams. It's so stupid. It's an ugly number. It and, really is. And not only that, be three wildcard teams and one team getting a buy per league. And it just looks so icky. Like, I'd rather them just leaned into it and said, fuck it, we're going to make eight teams from each league go to the playoffs, get rid of buys, and just do full-on seating. You know, one versus eight, two versus seven, the whole way through, and just be like, look, we want to embrace the NBA model and the NHL model because they're pre-existing and people like their playoffs and we want more teams and blah, 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 blah. But this feels like just such a gross in between like all right we get it you want more teams but like this way yeah, um it's ugh. so yeah again i get it i just i'm not crazy ab about it being this but i get it i guess i feel like they're also going to have to probably expand the number of days they're showing nfl games on during the playoffs because the way they have it structured right now makes a lot of sense. There's two games per day, Saturday and Sunday, but they're bumping are they going up to three? I, I was going to say, are they going to bump it up to three, which they can do, like they do it during the regular season, or try to play games on Friday nights as well, which I don't know. Yeah, no, in, in that article Schefter put out, they, they already said they were going to just have it be three games on Saturday, three games on okay. Sunday. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Which is dumb. So, this task, honestly, that's not the end of the world you know a yeah game a 430 game and a primetime game sure whatever it's just the fact that there has to be three games to cover the wild card round now is annoying so there is also the question of like all right what are the outside factors that have led to you making this decision like increasing the number of teams making the playoffs is also seen as a way to stop teams from tanking because if there is a now larger percent chance that you are going to enter the playoffs, it might de-incentivize you from like 
not fucking up your entire season to get a draft pick, right? Like if you're because right now, like a shitty thing to be in the NFL is six and ten mm-hmm. because you are at least three games away from being in the hunt and you are like at least three games away from getting a top five pick. So six and 10 sucks. And it might incentivize you to just try to be three and 13 instead and get a draft pick. But if you could be eight and eight, make the playoffs instead of nine, seven, well, Hey, it's only two extra games. Maybe we'll like sign that running back or like sign that wide receiver, that defensive end or like some shit. So there is that idea as well. I'm not sure tanking is such a problem for fans of the NFL that this needs to be addressed in the same way basketball, hockey, and baseball had to do it. Teams definitely tank, but I don't think they usually last nearly as long. And I think the results from the tanking happen more quickly, but that's a discussion for another day. The main thing I think I'm interested in seeing is what the NFLPA is going to do about wages if they add an additional game for the 17-game regular season. Because in theory, everyone's wage should increase by whatever percent adding one game to 16 is. What is that, like 8%? Yeah. Some shit like that? I don't want to do the math. I don't really care either. But think about it. You are uh, Le'Veon Bell. You are contracted to get paid $13 million to play 16 NFL games plus playoff bonuses for each additional playoff game you play. Now I'm being told, hey, so we're going to keep paying you the same amount, but we want to increase your production uh, 6.25%, by the way. I did the math. Nice. That's that. That should be met with a 6.25% increase in my wage, right? You're doing more work. You should be getting paid more money. Right? I doubt it's going to work out that way. So that's why I'm saying I'm interested in seeing how they handle it because I know in the past, so like this comes up with baseball a lot because there's been a lot of talk just like over the years casually of like, should the MLB decrease the number of games played in a season and i've heard players talk uh d gordon sticks out in particular about how they players don't want that because they don't want teams to leverage that into paying them less you know because like if you were uh i don't know a free agent you got a one-year 10 million dollar deal well hey maybe next year when the season's only 140 games instead of 162 a team could be like hey yeah i know you were worth 10 million last year but there's less games this year here's 8 million you know mm-hmm. so you'd think that the opposite would be true too if they added more games i'm doing more stuff i need more money to keep doing these more things that's why there's playoff bonuses right so um, that's why i'm interested in seeing what the nflpa will do cuz i'm not saying it's going to be like this linear as i've just laid it out but i'm sure that this will be a point that they fight over yeah i feel like it would be real easy just to keep no cuz that would have changed all the performance bonuses as well and incentive bonuses. Yeah, yeah. Volume base would make it way stack. easier. Yeah, this would be a... Unless they literally just say, all right, we're going to increase it, everything across the board by that six and change percent, like you said. Uh, yeah, this is going to... I I think 
the fact that this stuff is coming out and is being agreed upon before we get to the deadline for the new CBA, I think that's a really good sign for the fact that, you know, we're not going to have a holdout, not going to have a lockout. Um, but there's, there's still a lot of negotiating left to do um, before they finalize all this. Yeah. I, I wonder if they, if they put all this stuff out now to get uh public opinion on it going into the negotiations you know mm -hmm. just ju just to dip a toe in the water because if people like really loved this i'm sure this is something that they would be firmer on in negotiations but if people were like this is awful don't do this then i'm sure that they would still fight for it but like not as hard yeah uh, i'm i'm really really excited to see how this turns out um yeah <laughs> i don't know i'm excited corwin heller i'm excited corwin so heller. how would you feel so let's see that means that last season the uh steelers would have made the playoffs there you go Ooh. and the rams would have made the playoffs how would you feel about that that those teams, the Steelers would be going in at eight and eight. The Rams would be going in at nine and seven, and they'd both end up playing uh, what the Chiefs in the AFC, and then uh, no, because the Chiefs would have the oh sorry, Baltimore had the first round by right. So, so the, yes. the Chiefs versus the Steelers, and the Chiefs would fucking smoke them, and then the Rams would be playing uh, Green Bay. Yes. Uh, no, um, New Orleans. New Orleans. Yes. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, is anyone going to argue that either one of those teams could have pulled off an upset? I guess in I a year in that. which Tennessee beat New England, you could go ahead and say anything's possible. Right. Uh, and then in a year where Tennessee beat Baltimore, you could continue to say anything's possible. But at the end, at the end of the day, you're right. This is just about money. Mm -hmm. I just I don't like the fact that uh, a Rams team that was nowhere close to the contender they were the past couple seasons and a Steelers team being led by an XFL quarterback for the, you know, most of the season could contend in the playoffs and just dilute the the product that we have to watch. You know, it's the playoffs. It's supposed to be the best of the best. Um, I like that there's wild cards. It adds that little flair um, and the ability for teams to still make it in. But a third wild card team is just beating a dead horse. Yeah, that's 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 why I think that I. How would you feel if they went full NBA NHL style, where eight teams from each league make it in and they just seed it one day? Uh, I I wouldn't be a huge fan. Um, How would you feel about it comparatively uh, compared against this? Compared to this, yeah the the seven team um, scheme. I I I don't think I'd like it as much. I still like that there's a first round buy incentive for the top performing teams. Um, you know, neither really stands up to what we had previously with the NFL. But I don't know. It's it's a weird sport. It's not like basketball where you can play, you know, a whole extra round of playoffs 
because these guys aren't getting beat up to the level that NFL players are. It's, you know, it doesn't really compare too well because, man, what's this going to be, like 20 games now? Like 21 possible games? I don't even know. Yeah, yes. 17 regular season, and would there be four yeah. matches in the playoffs, or would there be three still? Mm. Yeah, wild card, division, championship, and Super Bowl. That's 21 possible games. That's a lot of football. Yeah. Yes, it is. Let me uh, let me ask you this: How would you feel about variable playoff schematic? So, imagine the NFL came out and said, "Up to eight teams from each league can make the playoffs, but teams must be nine and seven or better." And if any team is below nine and seven and would have been in the eight, they don't make it, and the highest team. Uh, the highest seeding team, one down, whatever, uh, get a buy. So if, um, like, like, like with 2019, the the seven of the sorry, only six of the eight teams would have been 500 or better because the Pittsburgh Steelers finished eight and eight, and then after that would have been Denver, Oakland, Indy, or or the Jets at seven and nine. So they wouldn't have made the playoffs, and so. Um, exactly who got the buys this year, Kansas City and Baltimore would have gotten them. Uh, whereas in the NFC, the Rams would have been all good to go into the playoffs, but the Cowboys or Bears would not have been because they were 8-8 eight and eight and wouldn't have cleared the threshold. So there'd be six playoff teams in the AFC and seven playoff teams in the NFC with two teams getting a bye in the AFC and one team getting a bye in the NFC. Oh, that's just, that's so complicated. I can't even wrap my head around it, like how it would work year to year. It would definitely be more complicated, but I think one of the things, one of the major complaints, I'm not fully endorsing my own idea because I Mm -hmm. came up with it right now and that feels like a weird hill to die on. Uh, But I think one of the major complaints for literally every sports fan when it comes to any playoff structure is if you increase the number of teams going, the pool of talent gets worse, which is true, 100%. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you created a way or as a system in which possible playoff team number can increase, but the talent must also be there, I'm wondering how fans would feel about it because you won't get any seven and nine teams going. I guess that don't win their division because that still matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you finish 10 and 6 like the jets did in 2016 you would have gone to the playoffs but not the pittsburgh steelers this year who are 8 and 8 cuz you were within the initial parameters but you failed parameter 2 and it's got to it's an and situation not a nor situation right i'm not saying this would be clean but i'm interested in this idea uh I would be interested as well. I like just hearing you describe it. I'm having a hard time visualizing it, so I have a hard time like comprehending it. 
Um, not, you know, any fault against the way you're describing it. Just, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and I, I need a good chart to be able to piece this all together <laughs> in my head. Um, all right, let me, let me lay it out better. All right, all right. Up to eight teams can go to the NFL playoffs. Right. Which is, uh, yeah, we talked about it already. Mm-hmm. Uh, an, an NHL style. Up to eight teams. But in order to be one of those eight teams, your record has to be nine and seven or better. You must be over right. 500 wood percent wise. If not, things follow from there. You don't make the playoffs. Uh, the top seed team gets a bye because there's fewer teams in the playoffs. Blah, 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 blah. Right. But that, that'd be the main part of it. But what happens when eight AFC teams qualify, but only six NFC teams qualify? And now we're at the Super Bowl with, you know, the NFC champion having to play one fewer game than the AFC champion. Tough titties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not huge on the idea of, you know. You're right. That's definitely a huge downside to my plan. <laughs> coming down to tough titties. <laughs> um, although that would be a phenomenal uh, press conference for Roger Goodell to have. Oh my God, that'd be it, well. It let me put it this way: I don't think Roger Goodell at this point in time could do anything, anything to make him have a worse press conference than any of what Rob Manfred has done in the last two weeks. So true. So true. The man literally called the commissioner's trophy, which is what the trophy is called for winning the World Series, a piece of metal. Oh, God. I fucking hate him so much for that. It's called the commissioner's trophy, and the commissioner called it a piece of metal. Fuck you. Oh, I hate that man. I I really didn't have too strong a feeling on him before like two months ago, and now I loathe him. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. He was always one of those guys to me that was just he was a jag when it comes to commissioners. Like he yeah, never 100%. really did anything, so you couldn't really hate too much. Just keeping the course. That's right. my yeah. Um but boy, he's just He's showing his true colors. Yeah. Oh my God. This is uh it hurts my 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 little baseball fan soul. But <laughs> any anyway. Uh I I guess we'll see what the NFL PA has to say about things and just kind of take it from there. But uh Yeah. I mean this I is a thing that might the, happen. The deadline is for you know the CBA to be signed, but I'm sure there will be significant more news to be discussed before then. Oh, 100 percent. A lot going to be happening with various players associations in the next few uh, weeks and months. So we'll keep y'all posted. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have anything, uh, anything else to say on any of the subjects we've, we've, we've talked about today? Uh, just uh, this one last Jared Goff topic. Oh yeah. 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 Lay it on me. Uh, so Spot Track tweeted this out uh, earlier today. Uh, in one month, on March 19th, Jared Goff will be paid his $21 million roster bonus for 2020. In addition, his $25 million 2021 salary, $2.5 million 2021 roster bonus, and $15.5 million 
2022 roster bonus all become fully guaranteed, his dead cap figure will rise to $94 million. Fuck. Yikes. Yeah. I, I just want to say if I'm, you know, I'm, if I'm the GM for the Rams right now, I think there needs to be a serious conversation about cutting Jared Goff loose. Yeah. That yeah, there is, really does. That is a lot of money for a inconsistent and fair to say, you know, wildly underwhelming quarterback. Um especially with how the rest of their salary cap has kind of come together uh over these past couple of years they've the rams have gone super heavy into win now um overpaying contracts to ensure they could have their top players um selling off draft capital to have you know short term veteran contracts uh they're in a tough, tough spot. They're probably in the worst cap situation in the league right now. And Jared Goff, I don't think he's the guy to win them a Super Bowl anytime soon. Oh, God, no. No, absolutely not. Uh, as it stands right now, they're 2021. So just next year, uh, adjusted salary cap is $230 million. Oh. Which is thirty? Uh, it's like twenty-one million dollars over the salary cap. Oh, that's so much money! And that's like on the books, actual committed money, basically. Because the Rams have not been uh, stingy with the contracts as of late. Their adjusted salary cap hit for twenty twenty-two. You might ask, three hundred and nine million dollars. Oh my God! Really? Which is ninety million dollars over the salary. Oh, Les need you you need to get your shit together, man. Honestly, the Ugh. craziest part is if they had won the Super Bowl last year, I don't think anyone would care. Uh I would say people like, would care, but it would be very easy to say it's worth it. You won right, a title. You know, yeah. You're it right, all fair. is worth it. Fair. Uh because this is fucking like for 2023 which the salary cap isn't even like projected yet on spot track they still are committed to an adjusted salary cap of just under 200 million dollars which there's not even a figure yet and like that's go ahead by 2023 the salary cap will be well over 190 million uh but the fact that that's three more draft classes uh worth of players you're gonna have to sign uh as well as you know any other free agents you end up signing in that time being that committed this far out is tough titties just 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 to lay out the the six contracts they have on the books at, right now that would affect their 2023 cap space starting with smallest going to highest Johnny Hecker will be owed 4.7 million dollars 2.3% of the cap Tyler Higby their tight end $6.85 million, 3.4% of cap. Todd Gurley, the running back, $12.5 million, 6.3% of cap. Brandon Cooks, wide receiver, $17.4 million, 8.8% of cap. Aaron Donald, $19 million, 9.52% of cap. And the largest, Jared Goff, quarterback, 
$30 million, 15.19% of cap. Yeah, I mean, wow. individually, none of those are just excruciating. The Tyler Higby one kind of stands out. Jared Goff obviously stands out. But when you have that much money committed to six individual players, um, especially when there's only a handful of those that you could honestly stay, say you will definitely still want in 2023, uh, that's that's a tough situation. Yeah, uh, especially Rams, like the New York the Rams media. not only need to get creative, but they need to be they need to be ruthless with how they deal with this cap in the coming weeks. Oh yeah, coming years. Absolutely, they do, and that's what I was about to say. Is like with with, with the New York media already talking about like should the Jets trade Le'Veon Bell because of his cap hit is ridiculous because the Jets have so much cap space it doesn't even matter. Fucking pay him for seven years. Who gives a fuck right now? Like we have no caps. We have uh, no cap issues. But the Rams, like Johnny Hecker, will probably stay because four point seven million is not a ton. But like Tyler Higby, fuck it, you can trade him. Todd Gurley, he's gone. Brandon Cooks, he he could be gone. Aaron Donald, you'll keep because that's a premium position that you desperately need. Uh, and Jared Goff is like a such a maybe, but like yeah. they they're gonna yeah they're gonna have to figure some shit out because this is fucking ugly. Ah, God, I don't know how they're gonna be able to handle this. Oh, they're not. That's that's the that's the answer right there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Who do you think make is making more next year? Their uh punter or their center? Uh their punter, Johnny Hecker. Yeah, their punter. <laughs> this is an amazing list. Oh I love spot track. Sure. Uh yeah, so that'll that'll be an interesting case to watch because if this crumbles down around them, they're gonna go from being the golden child of the NFL to the uh, foster child of the NFL real fucking quick. <laughs> Les Snead's going to be out of a job real fucking quick. Yeah, this is wow. Oof, ouchie, wow. <laughs> Oof, ouchie, ouchie, owie. <laughs> Ooh, ow, my calf space. Uh, <laughs> any final thoughts, my friend? Oh, uh, no, no, no. All right, then we're getting out of here. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at JuicyPod. If you want to hit us up via Gmail, so at JuicyTheNumbers at gmail.com. Uh, Greg Robinson faces 20 years in jail because he had 157 pounds of marijuana at the border. I just got that notification on my phone, and that's a yeah. ludicrous sentence. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're not going to talk about it, though, because I already said all the stuff. So uh, until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.